Let's open our Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 31, and we are ready to consider verses 43 to 55. We're in the midst of considering Jacob's life and his experience and how he is learning to live by faith. And as we have found with Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob, that walk of faith is a process. And as we continually, daily yield ourselves to the working of the Lord in our life, and as he uses different experiences, some of them difficult experiences, as we learn to look to the Lord in those things, we little by little begin to trust him unconditionally and to surrender ourselves without question to his wisdom, his power, and his grace and his mercy. And so we're seeing that with with Jacob. We left him, and we're kind of jumping in the middle here for those that, that might, might not be uh, keeping up with the study. The Lord has just told Jacob that he needs to return to the land of Canaan, to the land of his father, that it was time. And God had already promised Jacob when he left that he would return to his father's house and he would return rich and prosperous. And that's exactly what's happening. And so Jacob, by faith, obeyed God's command to leave Laban, where he has served for 20 years. And now he, in obedience to God's instruction to go back home, he obeys that, but he chooses not to tell Laban. And to sneak away rather than to just face Laban and tell him that the Lord had told him to return. And because of that, and in addition to him trying to sneak away, Rachel stole Laban's household gods. And probably not for idol worship necessarily, but more likely simply because of the worth of those idols and also the the symbolism of those idols, because that Though whoever possessed those, they were the rightful heir of all of the household wealth. Jacob didn't realize she had stolen them. And so Laban follows after Jacob and all of his family and all of his flocks and all of his wealth, catches up with him. And Laban takes the high road and says, I have every right to punish you for running away, for stealing my daughters, for stealing my flocks, which he did none of that. But he also said, and someone has, and you have stolen my household idols. And Jacob said, whoever stole them, take them and kill them. I've done nothing wrong. Of course, he was unaware that Rachel had stolen those. So this is where we find them. And finally, Jacob, in front of all of his relatives, Laban's relatives, remember, they're all relatives at this point, in front of Everyone, he he begins to expose Laban's deceit for 20 years. He abused Jacob, mistreated him, lied to him, cheated him. And once Jacob lays out the facts, then Laban realizes, you know, he, he can no longer take the high road. And so this is where we find him in verse 43 of chapter 31 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 31 and verses 43 to 55. Genesis thirty-one forty-three to 55. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters, or to their children, whom they have born? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, 
and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahalutha, which is Aramaic for heap of witness. But Jacob called it Galid, which is Hebrew for also heap of witness. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore its name was called Galid. Also Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap, and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Okay, so what they have come to is not really a peace treaty. It's more of a truce that they come to. And basically Laban was saying, I won't attack and harm your family and you don't cross over this line and attack my family or do me harm. And God is a witness of this. And if someone breaks that covenant, then then God will take care of them. That's basically what the what the covenant was about here. Laban, once again, he... he He always tries to take the high moral road when he is absolutely immoral. And we see this all through the world. And it's nothing that's going to change. It will only get worse. In 2 Timothy, Paul tells us in in chapter 3 and verses 12 to 17 that we shouldn't be surprised when men act with such injustice, with such greed because this is only be going to become worse as we come closer to the coming of the Lord. So let's go to Second Timothy. We'll read chapter 3 and verses 12 to 17. Men like Laban who lack integrity are going to become the norm. We see it in our politics. We see it in society, in, in, in business. We, we see it in every aspect of life. We as Christians, our testimony, our light should grow brighter and brighter as things get darker, because the contrast should be that much greater. We are to be men and women women of integrity, that we keep our word, that we take responsibility. As we see uh, when last week when Jacob was saying how he faithfully served Laban despite Laban's mistreatment of him, Jacob always did what was right. In fact, he went above and beyond. And this is the attitude that we are to have. And too many Christians, we begin to 
as the world gets darker, we begin to compromise as well. Well, we're not as bad as them. We can do this, and we keep moving the line as the world keeps moving the line. But the, the authority for our conduct, for our thinking, is the Word of God, and it never changes. And so in Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So don't be surprised when the world mistreats you. That's all we can expect from them. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So many times you hear even Christians say, why does, if God is a God of love, why, why does he allow such evil to exist? And it just seems to get worse. Well, this same God told us that this was going to happen. He's going to allow men to do what's in their heart, and he will judge them for it. But no matter how evil men get, they cannot annul or overthrow God's plans and God's purposes. We see that in Jacob. Laban mistreated him time and time again, and yet God fulfilled all of his promises to Jacob. And God will do the same for you. So we don't despair when we see things getting darker. We should rejoice that the coming of the Lord is that much closer because this is what God has told us to expect. Verse 14, but you, this is our responsibility, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we take God at his word, when we are governed by sound doctrine, we're going to be able to do everything that we need to do as we wait for and anticipate the coming of the Lord. No matter how evil things get, they're going to get more evil. Things are going to get darker. But that's not an excuse for us to stop doing what we know is right in God's sight. And so this is an important lesson that we can learn from Jacob. As, as we mentioned, there, there are some things that Jacob has to learn yet. He was not perfect because faith is a process. But this is one good example that we can take from Jacob is he always did what was right, even when Laban did what was wrong. We are to do the same thing. Well, let's go on to chapter 32, and we'll read verses 1 to 21. Genesis chapter 32 and verses 1 through 21. Genesis 32 and verses 1 through 21. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he 
also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels, into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well. And make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night, and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau his brother. Two hundred female goats, and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes, and twenty rams, thirty milk camels with their colts, forty cows, and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys, and ten foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau my brother meets you, and ask you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. Okay, we we come to another significant moment in, in Jacob's life and in his journey of faith. He's still learning. He's, by faith, going back home in obedience to God's instruction. That's good. The prayer that he prays here, it's a perfect prayer. He prays exactly like God wants us to pray. But where we see him falling short is after he prays, he does what? Now, God's already told him to go home. He's already told him he would protect him. But it says clearly in this passage that Jacob is afraid of his brother Esau. Fear and faith can't go together. You either walk by faith or you walk in fear and anxiety. And so, again, we see that it's going to be a couple more chapters before Jacob comes to an unconditional surrender. But this is something we can learn because it's you and I aren't perfect in our faith either. And if we think we are, then we've got some surprises coming. But we can learn from these and learn even from our failures when we fail to walk by faith, when we give in to fear and anxiety. And notice that Jacob has a plan A and a plan B to try to protect himself from Esau. He, he's going to send these 
different layers of gifts to Esau and see how he responds. And then he's split up his family, which is large by now, his family and his flock. So now he has two companies. And so he's going to send the first one out. And if that one gets attacked by Esau, then he's going to spare the rest of his family. So he, he, Jacob is still scheming. Remember, that's how he started out, wasn't it? Jacob was a surplanter. That's what his name means. He's always scheming. Little by little, he's learning that his schemes aren't necessary. We need to learn the same, same thing. The first thing that God does to encourage him is that he lets him see the host of angels. Before anything, before he even makes his schemes, his plan to try to make sure that Esau doesn't destroy him, God gives him a vision of the angels that are around to protect him. This is why, he, well, what do you call it, uh, Nehem? This is God's camp. And God was gracious to show him that, that all the protection that was at his disposal. And yet, despite seeing that, he still is afraid. He still comes up with plans. After 20 years, he knows he has to face Esau. And Esau, remember when Jacob left, promised to kill Jacob. So that's still in in Jacob's mind. This is why he's afraid. He's still afraid. Nothing overcomes our fear faster than knowing that God is on our side. Let's read a couple passages to remind us. I've never seen a host of angels, but I have the promises of God's word. Hebrews chapter 13 in verses 5 and 6. These promises are to us. And so whatever it is that you're facing, don't make your decisions or your plans based on your fears. Make them by faith in in God's promises. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. In other words, don't want anything but what God wants for you. But be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Who who said that he would protect us? That he would never leave us nor forsake us? Understand that you never face anything alone in this life. That, that's one of the things that can overwhelm you is everything and everyone's against me. Now, that seldom is true. But how often have we had that thought? Everyone and everything is against us. But for the child of God, that's never true. You don't face anything alone. Even if it's true that there's no other one around you that is with you, the creator of heaven and earth said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That needs to be our comfort. That needs to be what dispels our anxiety and our fear. Either we believe it's true or it's not. But God said it is. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. Jacob saw a host of angels, a camp of angels that were there to protect him. We're told in Hebrews 1, verses 13 and 14, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And so the host of angels are around us as well to protect us from any real harm. Now, just as we have learned in the case of Jacob, that doesn't mean that we'll never suffer injustice. It doesn't mean that we won't have different kinds of suffering and loss in our life. 
But it does mean that there is nothing and no one that can do us any real eternal harm. That we can always have God's best in this life in eternity. Let's read one more in Psalm 34. Actually, two, two more passages here. Psalm 34 and verses 6 to 10. Psalm 34, 6 to 10. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So it's not just a Sunday school story that we read about Jacob and the camp of angels that he saw. We have those same promises. One last one, and I think we'll close with this in Second Kings chapter 6. We'll read verses 15 to 17. Second Kings six fifteen to 17. This passage has always encouraged me, but it takes eyes of faith. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha, an enemy king, had sent an entire army just to kill Elisha. Well, that's pretty intimidating. This is a whole army, horses, chariots, soldiers, and I don't blame the servant. What shall we do? You ever been in that kind of a situation? (laughs) I don't know what to do. So Elisha answered, do not fear. Fear and faith are opposites. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, can you imagine the servant looking at Elisha? the two of them together, and then he looked out at the army, and he probably thought, Elisha, you have lost it. There's two of us. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And then, of course, God gave the victory. Can we understand that that's our situation? We never face anything alone in this life. That must be our comfort. We make our decisions based on knowing that God has promised to care for us, to provide what we need when we need it. And we don't fear the unknown. And, and that's, not, that's not our flesh. I mean, your natural response, my natural response in those overwhelming situations is, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Well, this is going to happen. And if that happens, then what happens is, and, and, and we start down that roller, roller coaster, don't we? We don't live by what ifs. We live by thus saith the Lord. That's what it means to live by faith. So despite this clear revelation that, that God gave Jacob, Jacob was still afraid of Esau. And so this is why he made these plan A and plan B. But we're going to see how God deals with that in our next lesson, that God graciously and yet somewhat firmly is going to show Jacob, Jacob, I don't need your schemes. I will protect you. He had to learn to be weak and know that he can't 
manage his own life. We need to learn the same lesson. We'll close there this evening.